Yeah, so contemplating cessation, let's call it like that. I mean, Nirod is usually translated as cessation, so... But it doesn't really matter how you translate it. Well, it doesn't matter as much as how you contemplate it. So how would you contemplate cessation? How would you contemplate Niroda? Um, on a day-to-day practical basis. What would that contemplation entail? Are there ways in which I'm acting that by body or by speech or by mind? So say say you're not, you're restrained, you're not acting out, you're mm. not perpetuating the ownership. So how would you then go about contemplating Niroda in aggregates, in feelings, perceptions, intentions? consciousness what what actual property what actual quality would you be um, reflecting upon if you're contemplating Niroda of the aggregates mm. what is it you're contemplating their disappearance that's kind of inconceivable mm. like while you're alive while you're paired with you know while these aggregates are composed the way they are you couldn't even conceive them not being there because mm-hmm. your thought of their cessation is within the existing aggregates mm. so it's not about aggregates disappearing from your experience yeah. so it's not about your fe- feelings not arising or your perceptions never coming back again mm. and intentions just going numb mm. uh, so it's not about that because that's inconceivable mm. um, so what is it about then to see that they have a reason on their own like okay they yeah. have come but they so what there and then you what would attend. be the quality of that? Say you're currently uh, enduring feeling or perception or your state of mind. So what would be the quality? What would be the quality of um, niroda in those things? What would be the quality of that? Uh, that um, arisen on its own, unknowable. What's the niroda in that? Yeah. So it's not about cessation, it's not about disappearance. It's not about this perception should disappear for me in, t- in order to understand it or be free from it. Quite mm. the opposite. Freedom from besetting perceptions, uh, freedom from painful feelings, freedom from pressures is while those things are present. Mm. So then when the, when the niroda is translated as cessation, that cessation does sh- well, should not be understood in the sense of these things just, just not being there anymore. Mm. Cessation not being the disappearance, what is it then? Disappearance of ownership, abandonment. Disappearance of ownership, yeah, you could say that. Because that thing would still remain, Mm. but you would not own it. Yeah. So, so, yeah, like you're saying. So then, would you say that contemplation, contemplating Niroda in aggregates is contemplating non-ownership of the aggregates? Yeah. yeah, you could say it that way. Yeah, exactly. Um, any other way you could contemplate those aspects, they would contribute towards the contemplation of non-ownership. That would be um, contemplating rightly along the lines of niroda, along the lines of cessation, along the lines of unknowability. 
because it kind of boils down to that you can't own it like your own feelings your own moods your own perceptions even if you want to but the only way to like like thoroughly understand the extent of that non-ownership you have to allow that thing to arise to its full extent mm. to whatever extent extent it wants to arise you must not be interfering with its arising and that's why the Sotapanna's understanding is whatever has the nature of arising that's why it's Niroda basically mm. that's why it has a nature mm. to cease I to be unownable to be seen as, as completely um, pretty much uh, impossible to own in any shape or form while it's there so then the mere arising of things the mere arising of your feelings of your intentions of your perceptions is then uh, showing you its own unownability mm. basically the mere arising then starts equaling freedom from it if you allow it to the extent if you allow it to rise to the extent it wants to rise to that extent you'll be free from it to that extent you will not be hindered obstructed by it to that extent you will not take up the ownership but kind of seeing rising as arisen on its own yeah when I say arising means manifestation means mm. enduring means mm. finding it there mm. means coming into being intensifying mm. fading in doesn't matter how you want to describe it doesn't mean like in the same sense as uh, Niroda does not mean the ending arising does not mean you see its beginning before which it was not because then that's you can only if it's there because yeah if you're if you're observing something that it was not and now it just appeared that's not on the right level where the five aggregates are that's too particular that's mm. just something secondary within your sense basis that you are just measuring like scientists and so on mm. No, no, we're talking about on the level of the experience as a whole. So you, as, a, as an observing individual, are not absorbed in observation, but actually emphasis is on the uh, self-reflection of the experience of observation or whatever else you might be doing. On that level, you find things already being there, pressuring you, being felt, being intended, being perceived. So recognizing their manifested enduring there, without acting out obviously, uh, to the extent that it's manifested, to that extent you become free. Because no extent can be owned. But the reason you never get to understand that fully is because you interfere with it, the extent of arising. Because it, if it's pleasant, you cut it short by wanting more of it. If it's unpleasant, you cut it short by trying to get rid of it. If it's neutral, you cut it short by ignoring it and you don't actually get to see the obvious which is whatever has the nature of rising has the nature to cease for that very reason has the nature to not hinder you has the nature to not be owned has the nature to be impermanent has the nature of change but like we said many times it's it's a vicious circle without the beginning as well <laughs> because you act because you are affected by it hmm. and then through acting you yeah, affirm your ownership the right instruction has to come from the outside hmm. somebody who has understood this has to tell you and you have to take it out of faith initially just so that you stop acting out and cutting it short hmm. that's the point point. And, and by the way there are many like um, day to day 
examples of how you, you would cut short these mental states. Um, psychologization would be one of them, explaining things because they bother you, so you know, so you get some resolution, you want to deal with those things on that level, mental level, to clarify it, to free yourself from doubt, through, through finding answers and all of that. All that's rooted in, in cutting the unpleasant feeling short. Uh, or somebody says, oh see, now all this thinking is just causing you suffering, so stop thinking. Just observe sensations, watch the nostrils, uh, and, and do not allow thoughts basically to arise. Well, that's another way of cutting things short. You again, you don't want to deal with it. Mm. So, one way you want to deal with it too much. This way, you don't want to deal with it at all. But if it has arisen, to the extent it has arisen, to that extent you have to endure it because that's the only way to fully kind of um, hammer in the fact that it's unownable. But you might be telling yourself that it's unownable as much as you want. But when unpleasant feeling manifests itself when something that bothers you comes up and you just want to resolve it, deal with it, ignore it turn away from it, meditate away from it means you took the ownership of it that's why you're acting out because if it's unownable what, what is there to resolve if it's not yours if it's not your problem why, why is there to, to be bothered about and, and deal with it and fight over it? and that's the difference between theory and the practice really like Everybody can read a Nietzsche and can say, oh, this is a Nietzsche, that's a Nietzsche. But do you, when the pressuring things manifest, do you, do you allow them to arise to the extent they want to arise? Do you, are you able to remain composed in your samadhi without acting out of them for as long as they last? Or not? <laughs> that's the measure of whether you are actually um, seeing that Niroda correctly or not. Or you're getting closer to see it correctly or not. Whether you are... Um, Extinguishing the ownership or fueling it through acting out. Could another way of <coughs> describing this contemplation be that it's not, it's never in in the content or, or, of um, you know uh, unpleasant experiences or, or pleasant experiences or neutral experiences um, but it, it's always the attitude towards those feelings or those yeah. experiences in the broadest sense but the, the reason why that would for most people um, especially in the beginning that might be just too abstract for them like when you say feeling in the broader sense, it just becomes a, an abstract category that they cannot relate to, is because the the body and the actions have not been purified and the mind have not been has not been withdrawn from unwholesome states through sense restraint. In other words, you're still operating on the level of content of your senses, pleasing content, displeasing content, you know, prolong, avoid, gain more. So, the sheer kind of broadness of the category of feeling in that broader sense of a, of a mood, pleasant, unpleasant, neutral, that's just too far to be seen. So it just, it's just an abstract thought that has no practical relevance because the mind has not been elevated to that level. And you elevate it, not through a special practice or a magical method or something, you elevate it through saying no to your desires. And uh, you're going to start going up, which is why you know, people get scared. <coughs> 